Bergens Internationales Filmfestival. Filmfestival. Bergens Internationales Filmfestival. Hallo und hey und willkommen zu Biffpodden. Mein Name ist Schifa Situ und ich sitze hier mit Erik Orebot. Hallo Erik. Hallo Schifa. Das ist ja der andere Dagen auf Biff-Festival, aber es fühlt sich fast wie der erste. Für das ist ja Dagen, wo alle Filme, nicht alle Filme, aber du kannst beginnen zu sehen, viele Filme, eine nach der anderen auf Kino. Aber ich muss ja erinnern, dass ich finde, dass es ein bisschen Stas å ha världspremiären på en film eh om det bara var en film igår så var det, det var lite extra stas. Ja du snackar ju om Kongens nej, sant? Det är det jag gör. Vi har ju kört lite grann intervjuer med Erik Popp och sånt nu i öppningsshowen och sånt, men det det är ett med att ting skrur sig till lite grann och speciellt det är ett land speciellt på den här premiärkänslan. Det hörs toppligt ut men det är liksom när rörlöparen kommer du får liksom lite extra som piff. Vi hade ju i tillägg möjligheten till att sätta oss ned med någon av de som var med i filmen. Vi snackade ju bland annat med Jasper Kristensen som är han som spelar kung Håkon i filmen. Det är det är ganska stas Ja, han är liksom the real deal. Han är the real deal. Ja, hvis jag är på festival så är jag på arbete på alltså och med den del av mitt arbete som jag minst bryr mig om, nämligen pressarbetet hvor jeg tvinges til at sidde og fortælle om, hvad jeg synes filmen handler om. Det gjorde du ikke, tak. Øh, men altså det, men hvor, man, hvor vi bruger et halvt år eller mere af vores liv på at forme en fortælling, så den er mangetydig og spændende. Og så kommer vi på en festival, og så bliver vi bedt om at, at kondensere det til, ned til en sætning eller tre. I hate it. Jeg prøver at svare alligevel, også selvom i virkeligheden synes jeg, at det, at det er skadeligt for filmen. Jo mere jeg snakker om filmen, jo mere skader jeg den. Altså, det er et evigt dilemma, og jeg har kæmpet med det af hele mit liv. Jeg har skabt en eller anden person, og hvis du synes, det er sådan, og du synes, det er noget andet, Jamen, det er fint, og I kan begge to have ret. Men hvis jeg siger, at det, at du siger, det er rigtigt, men ikke det, den anden siger, jamen, så er det jo sådan, for jeg må jo vide det, for jeg har lavet filmen. Nej, sådan er det ikke. Sådan er livet ikke, og sådan er kunst ikke. Jeg er ikke den, der ved mest om min film. Det er dem, der ser den. Men hvis jeg kommer til at sige, hvordan det er, så har det en eller anden indbygget autoritet, fordi folk tror, at jeg ved bedst, jag vet inte bäst. Okej, okay, det var Jesper Kristensen som spelar kungen i Kongens nej. Uh, Idag på programmet lite senare ska vi ha ägsnacket med uh, en av regissörerna bak uh, den nyzeeländska thrillerdokumentären Tickled som handlar om uh, något så besar som competitive endurance tickling. Är er du skilda? Jeg er ikke spesielt tidlig, men det er veldig gøy å kittle folk innimellom. Det er også veldig ja, ut, men ja, du skjønner. <laughs> men ja, mer om, mer om det senere. Nu skal vi snakke litt om uh, det som sker i morgen på festivalen, sånn at uh, du, kjære lytter, kan uh, bli litt inspirert, og kanskje du har lyst til å se denne filmen som Erik har lyst til å anbefale. Ja, 
Jag har uh, lust att anbefala en rumensk film. Det är er inte ofta uh, jag får låta göra. Men jag har lust att anbefala filmen Dogs um, som är uh, er på Cinema Extraordinaire programmet vårt. Vad är er Cinema Extraordinaire programmet? Uh, Cinema Extraordinaire är er ju då rätt sagt de filmerna som är er extra goda. Extra spicy kanske. Och för min del så handlar cinema extraordinaire programmet väldigt ofta om de filmupplevelserna som går lite uten på allt annat och som man egentligen som kan ta en sån 50/50 chans på om de blir funnet i hemtegn värdige till att komma på vanlig kino ofta för det att de är er, handlar om ting som är er så rare eller så utreerta som gör att en distributör vill ah jag kommer att till att träffa ett stort nog publikum till att det är er värt att ta in filmer. Lite smala filmer då kanske. Smala, rara men alltid extraordinära. Men det är er ju inte bara tematiken som är er extraordinär. Det är er ju lite handlar ju väldigt mycket om formmässigt att de tejer gränserna. Vi har ju den Swiss Army Man faller väl in under den kategorin. Det är er ju också en film som kommer på manlig kino. Så det är er ju en av de där de distributörerna tänkte okej okay, Här är er det liksom nok variabler till att han har också kommit att träffa ett et vanligt publikum. Lite mer mainstream bizarr. Men det har ju för det har han um, Harry Potter typen Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> um, men det jag lyssnar så snart om uh, med Dogs, uh, det är er då alltså här syns jag faktiskt att trailer är er ett jättegott verktyg. För det är er vanskligt att bestämma sig för om <laughs> Vilken romansk film ska jag få med mig i år? Inte sant? Ja. Och så är er det ju lite sådana, ok, ja, jag har inte nåt förhållande till romansk cinematisk tradition sån och jämt över. Och då går jag till trailerna och så säger jag grejer det och förmedla en eller annan form för stämning, grejer det och förmedla något som jag syns är er intressant. Mm. Och där träffar jag Dogs Meg Mitchips. Jag syns traileren ger en väldigt god pekpinn då. Uh, och så är er det ju självklart det här är er det ju det att det blivit uh, den här filmen är er blivit valt ut till uh, till kan är er ju ett kvalitetsnappel i sig själv. Den har ju också gått på på TIFF i detta tillfälle då inte Tromsø internationell filmfestival men Transylvania internationell filmfestival och det är er ju lite gøy bara. <laughs> Barken är satt det. Approved by Dracula. Approved by Dracula. Jag glömde mig väldigt till den här filmen. Hoppas den infrir kraven. Gå in och check traileren visst du är er i tvivel själv att du har hört mängst något lite grann om det här och så se om det är er nog för dig. Jättebra. Okej. Okay. Uh, nu kommer det ett litet intervju som jag har gjort med en av regissörerna bak uh, den nyseländska dokumentären Tickled. Uh, Detta är er mig och Dylan Reeve. Så so, Tickle is a story that that sort of turns from uh, humorous to sinister quite rapidly. Um, when did the story begin to change for you, and and how did you sort of get involved with this project? Um, I think in our sort of in our real lives as we were living it, it it was constantly fluctuating between um, light and entertaining and sort of funny and dark and serious and at times quite scary. It started when, as you see in the film, David sends a message to these people he's found on the internet who are making 
tickling videos because it seems kind of funny and quirky and and like a good piece for his little two minute um you know funny bit at the end of the news stories um, and they responded very negatively and in a way that made no sense in the context of the videos they were making and and from there i think we both just like i saw that reply and immediately i was i was curious my, my you know my interest was piqued competitive endurance tickling it was one of the strangest sports i've seen so i told jane o'brien media i'd like to do an interview instead of getting a yes or no i got this association with a homosexual journalist is not something we will embrace shame on you little gay kiwis regards jane o'brien media it was hard to take the insult seriously, considering the sport did seem slightly <laughs> gay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the story you talked about, the, the message that David sends out, and he gets a very sort of aggressive, uh, homophobic response from um, this shady media company called Jane O'Brien um, regarding something called competitive endurance tickling, um, which obviously sounds really quite funny and bizarre but but has a more I don't know a darker side to it um I mean when did you sort of realize how how deep the the rabbit hole went with this story um it happened quite soon in a sense that once I started digging into the domain names I quickly found a list of 300 around 300 domain names that were registered by the same organization a bunch of those domain names were really immediately identifiable as being like first name last name dot com and so that's a bit unusual and so I started looking at some of those and found these websites that were seemingly devoted to um, various people who'd done these tickling videos in the past but were were like attack websites shaming them in a way um, which made no sense so that was like immediately we were like what's going on this company that's making these videos is also shaming the participants or blackmailing them or, or what is it um, so quite quickly uh, we seemed to understand or we thought we understood um, part of what was happening but there was also the sense that a lot of the time because so many things seemed not to be true there were e people emailing us who really didn't seem to be real and some people did seem to be real and you couldn't really tell who was who and you know when, when was there a real person and when was it a fake person things like that um, that you started to doubt yourself like we'd we'd think we understood something and then we'd we'd kind of talk ourselves out of it um so i mean partway through the film we we kind of expose this person who ends up being behind it but that name came up kind of early for us in in our investigation but then we actually talked ourselves out of it for a while because um we thought it was kind of like a, a a double bluff sort of thing that we'd been tricked into believing that it was this person and really it might be someone else it was it was very weird and there was constant questioning everything you thought you knew and it still goes on to some extent. This tickling wormhole was getting deeper. I mean, obviously it's just for fun. Is it just for fun? It's tickling. You know, I was young at the time, didn't think nothing of it. And I was like, $2,000, that's going to be cool. I mean, imagine being a teenage boy. She would just keep sending them whatever they wanted. She offered my one buddy a Chevy Cruze and $30,000. The money's endless. This tickling empire is way bigger than we ever imagined. What do you think your mother's going to think about this? <laughs> Jane O'Brien's a ghost. There are some pretty hairy moments in, in the movie. Uh, were you truly, like, scared in it, at any point during the making of this film, thinking oh, maybe we should um, just quit while we're ahead? I don't think I ever felt scared physically. David did a little bit. There were times 
where David, you know, being the person in front of the camera had to kind of um, have these slightly confrontational moments, which is not really in his nature. Um, and most of it takes place in the US. Um, and, you know, I, presumably you're not from the US and, and you know, neither are we. And so we have this kind of perception about the US and, and guns and things like that. And so having a confrontation with someone um, who you don't really know in a public place uh, is it's a bit scary. Um, I mean, it is at the best of times, and then, you know, in America, it sort of felt even more so. Okay, let's go. I'm breathing heavily. Yeah, same. <laughs> we could hear laughter coming out of the vents. We've been spotted. Oh my god. Oh my god. In terms of, uh, I guess, the narrative form and the structure of, of the film, um, uh, what sort of, sort of story did you want to tell? I mean, it was hard to know going into it. We ummed and ahed a bit about what film we thought we were making. So when we first started, we started as a Kickstarter because we thought there was a documentary to be made, but we didn't know what sort of project it was going to be. I would say we were thinking like a, you know, we'd make a 45 minute to an hour kind of documentary that we'd sell for five dollars on Vimeo or something. Um, and so we, we raised money to do that. We raised about 27,000 New Zealand dollars, which was enough to travel four of us to the US and put us up in a couple of hotels and get some rental cars and, and you know, chase the story. But it was really apparent quite quickly um, as we started to chase it, that we actually had underestimated the scope of some of this and that we were, there were more places we needed to go and more people we needed to talk to to really get the whole story. And so we came back to New Zealand after that and, you know, our Kickstarter money was gone and we and we sort of were faced with an opportunity, with a, a question really, which was do we, you know, make the film we thought we were going to make with the money we we got from Kickstarter and put that out or do we you know, reassess our situation and try and find a way to make the film that we think deserves to be made. And we got a great producer on board, um, Carthew Neal, who's also produced um, Hunt for the Wilder People, which is another New Zealand film that's come out about the same time and is doing fantastically. And he came in with some really good ideas and helped us um, kind of figure out what we wanted to make. And then we went back and we shot a whole lot more and we found a whole lot more people to talk to and we shot the bulk of what's in the finished film and so we came back and, and then, you know, just, I'd say just crafted the story, but, you know, obviously that's one of the hardest parts. But we sat down, spent quite a long time in editing with um, Simon Coldrick as our editor and, and really, you know, uncovered this, this narrative through our experience. For us, it kind of ends up being, it's an observational kind of um, on-the-road thing with, with us trying to understand the story at the same time as being like a you know, almost like a, a, a mystery or a thriller in some respects. This person's psyche, what are your insights on what kind of personality we're dealing with in this in this film? I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing for me to talk about because, you know, I'm not qualified. And um, things I say have legal repercussions. But, I mean, you watch the film and there's certainly these um, repeating... Uh, concepts of power and control the tickling is about power and control you, you you exert this control over someone um and and elicit a physical response that they can't control 
um, and so you have that power over them and then the way it's managed you know in terms of paying these people and and um, you know kind of dangling carrots in front of them um, to make them do the things you want to uh, that's another aspect of control and then you know the turning around and 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 tormenting them on the internet and attempting to ruin their lives is again just the same sort of thing so I there's this constant just this power and control thing that is that scales it's like a russian nesting doll there's just like more incarnations of this power and control play this power play um inside one another i i have lots of other thoughts but they're things i can't you know they're my my own thoughts that i, I can't really um safely uh say yeah i understand i understand and i, I think people who watch the film will be able to uh, deduce and uh, you know read between the lines <laughs> on, on that one but um, in terms of the the I don't know if you want to call him the main character in the film you do sort of there's a sort of a confrontational moment or uh, stalking out and trying to approach him I mean do you wish that you would be able to get even closer to him and being even more confrontational maybe getting more of a, a response from from the character yeah, absolutely. I, you know, the, the 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 confrontation we have towards the end of the film ends up in some ways being a little bit anticlimactic. I would love to have an opportunity to actually talk honestly and openly about, you know, about the issues we found and, and about the experiences that some people have had and and what drives him to do what he does and, and, and things. I don't know if we'll ever get that opportunity. Um, the closest we've come so far is I did a screening in LA um, and he turned up. Um, quite unexpectedly, um, was just at the screening. I had this incredibly surreal experience of being in a theatre full of 300 people who have just watched the film, and I came out to do a Q&A, and he, this, you know, I guess you could call him a villain or or, or um, antagonist of the film, um, is there in the audience and and engaging. What did he say? Uh, he said... Um, I, I offered him... I offered him the opportunity to even come up to the front with me and, and actually talk to me. He wasn't into that idea. Um, but, I mean, uh, towards the end, I gave him... Um, I said, look, we've got five minutes, you know. If there's anything you want to say, say it. And he didn't take the opportunity to say anything, really, about the content of the film or about what we, you know, might thought might have thought we knew about him. It was really just another opportunity to tell me that I, you know, need a better lawyer, basically, and that that I, you know, was going to see time in federal prison. Um, so it's just, it was just an extension of the, of the legal threats and the, which was in some respects quite surprising, I suppose. I mean, the whole thing was surprising, but I thought, you know, at that opportunity, um, maybe it would become something different, but it hasn't. Där hörde jag Kashifa snacka med Dylan Reeve på artikeln. Jag ska benytta anledningen till att framsnacka det som sker i morgon lite grann. Fordi i morgen så åpner menneskerettighetsprogrammet Checkpoints med filmen The War Show. Bare si to ord om Checkpoints-programmet. Dette er jo et program som Biff har hatt gående i, i noen år nå, i et samarbeid med, med Raftostiftelsen, for å sette fokus på menneskerettigheter, eller dokumentarer som tar fatt i menneskerettigheter. Åpner med The War Show, som er en personlig roadmovie fra Syria, og den handler om en radio-DJ i Syrias hovedstad Damaskus, og hennes vennekrets av aktivister og kunstnere, og ja, i det hele tatt. 
Och de börjar ju då med att uh, märka den arabiska våren som är er i ämning i 2011 och de tar till gatan för att protestera mot Assads regim. Och det ändrar ju inte så bra som vi vet. Som vi vet. Igen, hvis du, uh, du har begränsat med med biljetter och ser att det är er något som träffar dig så är er något checkpointsprogrammet väldigt uh, gott utgångspunkt där som du är er intresserad av att finna goda dokumentärer mm. som går på Men det är er ofta många eller som jag har snackat med i alla fall som är er lite sån skeptisk till att se så många mänskligheter för att det är er en slags trötthet runt konflikten men jag tror den tröttheten kommer ju ofta från uh, nyhet som bara bombarderar det med väldigt sån ja ensidiga rapporteringar av, av konflikten så jag tror även om du är er lite lei av av att se på nyheterna så ge ge mänskligrättighetsprogrammet checkpoints en chans. Faktum är er ju att uh, många dokumentarfilmskapare är er kanske de mest grundiga gravjournalisterna som existerar i dagens mediebilder. Mm. Okej. Okay. Ja, och um Här på Biffpodden i morgon har vi ett lite speciellt inslag. Vi möter en syrisk flykting vid namn Ibrahim som nu bor och studerar här i Bergen för att höra lite om hans erfarenheter och vi har till och med sett en film sammen, nämligen After Spring. Så det får vi höra mer om på morgondagens program. Och med det så gärna så bara för oss och önska god film och så hörs vi imorgon. Hej då. Hej då.